This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn for one more day. Thanks for making us a part of your morning, part of your day, whatever time of day you're listening to us. We appreciate you being with us. This is um, this is going to be an important hour of the show. Last hour, we spent a lot of time talking about what happened with Israel, the UN resolution, our involvement in all of that as a government. Uh, you know, elections have consequences. I'm not begrudging the president his right to do whatever he thinks is right. There's no doubt that we elected Barack Obama twice. And he is going to be the president until his very last day in office. He is entitled to pardon whoever he wants to pardon. He is entitled to do a lot of the things that he says he wants to do. This hour, we're going to talk about him wielding a little bit of that power. I don't agree with what he's doing. I think it's a very important story. But in light of what we talked about last hour, in light of Israel, in light of the U.N. resolution, in light of ISIS and their declaration of war on New Year's Eve, and they're calling for bloodshed in the United States using horrific images and the hypocrisy from the the idiots that are the Islamic State. Um, and I don't feel a need anymore, and I have in the past, to the, to the disclaimer of separating Muslims from radical Islam. I don't have to do that anymore. P- people in America, we, are, we live in a great place. We live in a place where we accept everybody because people from all over the world come here. We've all known Muslim people our whole lives. We've known people of different faiths, faiths that we didn't know much about it. We may have been predisposed some opinions based on what we've heard about people. But in the end, we accept people at face value. When you come to me as an individual, as an honest person with who you are, all of those things are accepted by Americans. That's who we are because this is a place from people all over the world have come here to become Americans. It's the great thing about us. So I don't have to give the Islamic State versus Islam um, disclaimer anymore. The Islamic State is a bunch of hypocrites. This hour will go into more detail, but they're using Christmas images, a Christmas tree, Santa Claus, and they're using bloodshed and they're calling for attacks on New Year's Eve. The federal government, state and local governments, the JTTFs, the Joint Terrorism Task Forces all over the country will be working overtime, in overdrive. You want, How many more metaphors can I come up with? How many cliches can we get in, squeezed in here in one sentence? They are 
not going to rest. They will not rest because they realize that we're at war. We've seen what's happened around the world. We saw the Christmas village and the Christmas market, I mean, in Germany. We saw what happened in Paris. And so they will be doing everything they can to thwart threats here in the United States on New Year's Eve. But the hypocrisy of the Islamic State and and organizations like them. Remember Charlie Hebdo? Why did that attack happen? Well, we know because they are an evil bunch of thugs. But they were talking about being disrespected as a religion. That Charlie Hebdo and its cartoons was so disrespectful that in order to restore the honor of their religion, they had to murder people. Ridiculous on its face. But if you are demanding that kind of respect of, of the icons of your faith, of the symbols of your faith, how then is it okay for you to be disrespectful of others? Why would you take religious symbols and historical religious relics in Iraq and destroy them? If religious relics are the cornerstone of people's belief, and you want yours respected, how can you be so disrespectful of everyone else's? So this hour we will talk about the Islamic State and the threats they're making on New Year's Eve. Um, Howard Dean, the famous I Have a Scream speech, almost Democratic candidate, former DNC chairman Howard Dean, says that for the last eight years, President Obama has taken the high road. Okay. We'll get to the bottom of that. But the president and the protected lands in the Western United States, uh, just to give you a little preview of what's happening, this is hysterical that, well, Orrin Hatch, I believe it was, tweeted out, in Utah, they are um, they are in Utah very upset that the President of the United States is declaring a segment of their lands as federally protected. And when the White House tweeted out, and it's called Bears Ears, when the White House tweeted out that they were protecting this land, they tweeted out a picture of the arches in Utah. And so Orrin Hatch's office said, if you're going to take 1.3 million acres of Utah land, at least use the right photo. This is the arches, not bear ears. It's an important topic about federally protected or federally managed land for so many reasons. And, and I'm going to ask for those of you that don't live in the western United States to bear with me when we talk about it. It, it does pertain to you. It, it, is, it is something that's pertinent to everybody in the country, but it is something that is everyday life for people that live in the western United States. And it's a part of the overreach of the federal government. It is one of those things that's archaic in nature and needs to change to a certain degree. And it's something that definitely needs to be discussed. Some of the other headlines that are important this morning. Sprint is bringing back 5,000 jobs into the U.S. 
and uh, whether and, and Donald Trump getting credit, maybe taking credit, not necessarily how the the case is with this. But what's more, what is more important to me is we're beginning to see these stories come in about the economy and how I believe that what is a shrinking middle class is going to feel the boost in their economic or in the um, their consumer confidence. I feel for families that make too much money to benefit from federal grants and loans, whether it's for college or for anything else, but they don't make enough money that every time something spikes tuition and college tuition where I am is gone through the roof. And now, you know, the Obamacare premiums through the roof, wealthy people can, will, can and should and will complain when things like this happen because it's unfair. But they can, and in some cases, in most cases, do absorb the hit because they have the means, they have the money to absorb the hit. The working poor, what's deemed to be the working poor in America, are given grants to offset costs when things like this go up. But isn't it funny that both political parties in every election season, they focus on the middle class. It's always about the shrinking middle class. We're going to help the middle class. We're going to bolster the middle class. And every bad policy that's out there on either side of the aisle, who does it squeeze out? It squeezes out the very people they say they are aiming to help. It's it's amazing to me how intervention hammers the middle class and why the middle class isn't largely saying government, just get out of the way, just knock it off. So in a moment, let's start off the big topic of this hour being this federal land issue. I'll explain what the president did yesterday why people in Nevada and Utah are upset about it, why it should be important to the rest of the country, because it absolutely is something that should be important to the rest of the country. Um, If you're just jumping in to listen to part of the show, my name is Mike Broomhead, and I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I do mornings at KFYI in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, You can find my show at KFYI.com, but you can um, follow me on social media, and that's the way we interact. I'm getting a lot of interaction with people. On Twitter, I am at Broomhead Show. On Instagram, all one word, Mike Broomhead, spelled just like it sounds, or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. I would love to interact with you, hear what you have to say about all of the things that are going on this morning. Good, bad, or indifferent, agree or disagree, it'd be great to talk with you. In a moment, we'll dive into the topic of the federal lands in the western United States, why I think it's a very important story for all of us. We'll be back in a moment. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Glenn Beck Program. 
All right, thanks for joining the Glenn Beck Program. Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn. One more day coming up later on this hour, just after the 8.30 break. We'll talk about ISIS and groups linked to them and their threats for New Year's Eve attacks right here in the United States. What can you do to be prepared? What's the government doing to be prepared? Is it something that we all should be very concerned about? And before we end the hour, Howard Dean says that Barack Obama for the last eight years has taken the high road. I said that with a straight face. So we'll get to that later on in the hour. But right now, federally protected land. This is an issue for me that has bothered me for a long time. I grew up in a beautiful place. I was born in Northeast Ohio, grew up in Southwest Florida. So I call Florida home. No disrespect to Northeast Ohio, but Florida was my home. I grew up in in Southwest Florida, um, near the Everglades, I grew up on, in a beach town called Fort Myers. But um, you know, when, as you go uh, as you go east, uh, the Everglades are just a beautiful place. Uh, you know, the pristine and the, the pristine water and the wildlife, and it is just an unimaginable, beautiful sight to see. I moved twenty two year, almost twenty two years ago, to Phoenix, Arizona. 1995, February of 95, I moved here. Completely different, but just as beautiful. Breathtaking. But living in the Western United States for as long as I have, one of the things that we deal with to a much larger degree than anywhere else is the huge parcels of land that are federally managed and taken over, all in the interest of conservation, We are called the Grand Canyon State. One of the seven wonders of the world right here. You don't think the people in this state have a vested interest in how pristine that must remain? Rarely have I seen patriotism, if that's what you would call it, for where people live. Like Arizona, Texas, we all know if you're from Texas, you're not from Texas. If you aren't born there, you're not from there. You live there, but you're not a Texan. I have no problem with that. I love that kind of state pride. But the Western United States has so much of its land federally managed. And the problem with that is when you have a president with the environmental policies that this one has, it can be damaging. So... President Obama moved to have national monuments called Bear Ears in Utah. He said in a statement that the 1.35 million acre Bears Ears Monument, so-called for its distinctive pair of buttes, would protect some of the country's most significant natural, cultural, and archaeological resources, including important ancestral grounds for numerous tribes. A second national monument in Nevada, Gold Butte, preserves 300,000 acres on the outskirts of Las Vegas. Here's the quote from the president. Today's actions will help protect the cultural legacy and will ensure that future generations are able to enjoy, appreciate these scenic and historic landscapes. Um, no offense, but I'm pretty sure the people of Utah know how important Bears Ears is. Same with Nevada. Same with Arizona. 
Here's the dangerous part of this, and I've mentioned this so many times. When you live in a place like I do, with generations of people, this is a no, this is a place, a nomadic place. People come to the, where I live now from all over the country. It, you're finding more and more natives, but they were rare to find people that were natives here. But when you did, and when you met people that were fourth and fifth generation here in this state, by the way, just celebrating its centennial a few years ago, you realize there's no better group of people to be in charge of managing its forests and its beauty and its relics and its scenic scenic, um, monuments. And yet the federal government does it. Lamenting what's called the Rodeo Chetiskai fire, which happened years ago here, but it was one of the most damaging things I'd ever seen. It was my it was my look then before I was ever politically astute or inclined to listen to people talking about how ridiculous it is with the federal regulations on forest management and how the fire crews couldn't fight the fires. And it, it literally scorched the earth in towns. Uh, you can look out on a map in Hebron, Overgard, and other places. And the scorched earth, because crews weren't able to get to the fire because it was against the law to thin the forests, to clear away the fuel that fuels these fires in the underbrush, all because of EPA regulations at the federal level saying that you're going to damage the habitat for the animals. Well, that fire not only destroyed the habitat for the animals, it destroyed the animals. Hundreds of thousands of acres, two fires merging together at the same time that almost wiped out some of the most beautiful towns in northern Arizona. And this is anecdotal evidence because I live here and I I live through this stuff. But all across the western United States, the federal government is continuing to take over land instead of giving it back to the states. We're not the same country we were 100 years ago, 60 years ago, 50 years ago. Nevada is capable of preserving what needs to be preserved in its state. So is Utah. So is New Mexico. So is Arizona. The forestry industry could rejuvenate the economies of what have been a decimated economy in northern Arizona. Not clear-cutting, none of that. It's all nonsense. The governors of Nevada and Utah asked the president not to do this. He did it anyway. Is it his prerogative? Absolutely. For all of the President Obama supporters out there, he has every right to do what he did. It was against the wishes of the people of that state. I think it's a slap in the face to the people of each individual state to think that you have to do this at the federal level because you're afraid that the people of the state where this beauty resides do not have the love and respect for it themselves to protect it and maintain it. That's it's a slap in the face. Not to mention that this is the 21st century. Why does the federal government need to have so much control of state land? Turn the land back over to the states. Remember, the way that this country is, de- is designed, we don't have a government with 50 states. We have 50 states with a government. They believe it's the other way around. And we've allowed that to happen. 
I know that may seem on its face to be a small issue with just a couple of monuments in the middle of nowhere. I can promise you the policy and the ideology behind it is so much worse. So I'm hoping it changes. I hope that with uh, with the President Trump coming in, maybe he will appoint somebody in uh, in his cabinet positions that will take a different road when it comes to these kinds of things and maybe give some of this land and common sense back to the states. Right after this next break, ISIS making threats using religious icons and religious symbols to make threats about New Year's Eve in this season directly against the United States, calling for an uprising of people to meet out attacks. What should you do to be prepared? What is our government doing to be prepared? All that coming up here in just a few moments. Once again, this is the Glenn Beck Program. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'll be back. Thanks for being here this morning. Mike Broomhead in for Glenn Beck. Today's my final day in the year of 2016 in for the Glenn Beck program. Thank you again for being a part of the show, for tuning in for at least a part of your day. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, the social media outreach is terrific. And uh, am I, I, I guess this is a rhetorical question, am I being totally insensitive? Am I fueling the fire of terrorism by calling ISIS a an evil terrorist organization, a bunch of religious hypocritical zealots, who have hijacked whatever faith that they believe in and turned it into their reason to murder people across the world. <clears throat> am I am I now am I now being used as a recruiting tool for saying that? Um you'd hear it from the administration. They will not say Islamic terrorism. Okay, don't. The American people do. So does the rest of the world. The Islamic State and groups linked to them call for a New Year's Eve attack using horrific images. Images of Santa being pulled in a sleigh by a reindeer with uh, guns, rifles pointed at Santa and blood being spilled on Santa Claus. With Santa Claus carrying bags of toys and masked men with knives chasing Santa. With uh, what looks to be Islamic soldiers with rifles and images calling for murder and mayhem on New Year's Eve. Um, Just a quick comment or a quick read of what's here in this story. In a series of graphic images posted on encrypted telegram channels seen by the foreign desk, the Nashir Media Foundation, a pro-ISIS media group, urges potential lone wolf attacks in public venues, including cinemas, malls, and even hospitals. The posts, however, make a point to warn Muslims to stay safe away from the New Year's celebrations. So what they've done is they say to fellow Muslims, as if now they give a 
darn, sorry, um, I almost got a little off track there, forgot I was on the radio, as if they care about other Muslims. The Islamic State has been killing fellow Muslims by the thousands in Syria and Iraq. For them now to send out messages as if they care about Muslims in America or anywhere else, these are people that indiscriminately murder. They've done it on 9-11. They've done it before 9-11. And they continue to this day to do it. These are people bent on mayhem and murder. And the fact that they've hijacked any religion to do it is ridiculous on its face. But they're now telling Muslims, don't go out on New Year's Eve. Don't. Going to be a tax. So what are the United States, what are we doing about it? What, what do you believe is being done? I can tell you with my limited knowledge of the joint terrorism task forces all over the country, which there are many in every city and town in America, they're made up of federal, state, and local law enforcement. They pool intelligence resources. They pool man hours. They pool um, data. They do surveillance on what they believe to be critical targets, dangerous people. They don't always get it right, obviously. San Bernardino, some of the other attacks at Columbus, Ohio at, at, the, at the Ohio State University. People that were on a list that many would say, how did you not see that coming? Well, you know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. when they look at things and they go back and look at them and they say to themselves, you know, where did we miss this? But I can promise you there is no group of people that take their jobs more seriously than the members of this these task forces from the intelligence gathering community, from those that are tasked with deciphering intelligence information and data. They are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the thing is, they have to be perfect because when they're not, people get hurt and people die. So as Americans, do we hole up? Do you stay home on New Year's Eve? Do you go to one of the big events wherever they are in your town? Do you go to any of those events? Or do you just stay home and say it's not worth it? If you are even considering staying home, think about where we are as a nation. Think about how our world was rattled on 9-11 and how terrified we were as a nation how churches were filled up in the days that followed. There were no airplanes in the skies. Buses were being pulled over by the highway patrol because of reports of people. We, for the first time, well, I shouldn't say for the first time, myself, for the first time, I felt vulnerable. You know, we can kind of tie this in with something we've talked about a little bit this morning, which is Israel, who deals with this on a daily basis. The idea that somebody's going to get onto a bus and blow themselves up and everybody on the bus or in a coffee shop or in a nightclub or a restaurant somewhere. It was almost a daily occurrence with the Palestinians in their 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 knife attacks or bomb attacks on Israel. But if you're even thinking I'm, it's not worth it, I'm not going out just in case I would just rather be, better be safe than sorry. Look how far we've come as a country. All these years, 
and we still feel that vulnerable. And we shouldn't. But there's a big segment of our society that does. I don't think anybody should sit home on New Year's Eve. And at the same time, if you've got kids, I think, okay. I mean, I wouldn't, no one needs to be a hero, I guess. But here is a group, the Islamic State, that was called the JV Squad by this administration. They refused to say Islamic terrorism. They refused to address the true problem. They're saying we have them on the run, which no, no, we don't. And the American people still do not feel safe. That's the biggest issue I have with this, that Americans just don't feel safe. In the next hour, um, I do want to talk about the economy a little bit, as there are 5,000 jobs coming back from Sprint or bringing jobs, repatriating jobs into America. The American economy, the small businesses and big businesses that you and I both are familiar with that push and drive the economy in the towns we live in, that will be happening in the next hour. But before we close out this one, before this hour ends, Howard Dean, and this is another story from TheBlaze.com, which is a great resource for news. Trust me, I surf a lot of news sites every single day for my job. And The Blaze is one of the most comprehensive, easy to navigate, easy to print out uh, news sites that there is available. And this Blaze story, Howard Dean said Obama has taken the high road for eight years. If you can say it with a straight face, you're a better person than I am. But that's what Howard Dean's comments are. We'll discuss that here in a couple of moments before we close out this hour. And once again, if you are a social media user, I am at Broomhead Show on Twitter, at Broomhead Show on Twitter, um, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, and the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. You'll see my station ID up there, my logo of my local show, and my local logo, Mike Broomhead logo, on that show page on Facebook. Back in a moment, we'll talk about um, this story to close out the hour and Howard Dean and what he said about Obama taking the high road. All that coming up here on the Glenn Beck program. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'll be back. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Thanks for joining the Glenn Beck Program. Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn for the rest of today. I'm done for the year, then for Glenn, and it's always a pleasure and an honor to be on. Uh, Thanks to the people on social media. Working on something for next hour. Um, You can't make any promises yet, but I've got a friend who's reached out to. I spoke yesterday. I think I I mentioned yesterday my um, admiration of Mike Rowe and what he has done to to highlight the the nobility of the working man, really the kind of highlight that the backbone of what America is, and that's the the working class in America, those jobs that don't seem to be glamorous, but at the same time are what make the engine of American, the American economy and everything else work. 
And I don't think that anybody's really grasped that and shown it to the American people in the way that is both entertaining um, and also informative like Mike Rowe has. And so um, reached out to him and I think it's possible if we can make the timing work that I might be able to talk with Mike on the air next hour. And if we can, I'm definitely going to make time to make that happen. If it does, we'll get it tweeted out social media. You'll know when and if we're going to make that happen. But we're, we're working on it right now, or at least I'm, I am behind the scenes. Before we get out of this hour, Howard Dean, and this is from TheBlaze.com. If you want to go to TheBlaze.com, Howard Dean says Obama has taken the high road for the last eight years. Uh, he praised the president and said that he had taken the high road throughout his presidency in an effort to bring the country together. Now, it's not just, I'll be honest with you, it's not just President Obama. And it is really the platform of that party. And I am very redundant. I know that I am. And I apologize to those that are are regular listeners to the Glenn Beck program. I'm very redundant with some things because it fits over and over again. The divisiveness of what's happened in the Democratic Party has become evident to the Democratic Party. The challenger from Ohio that was going after Nancy Pelosi's seat talked about them being a coastal party, that they are both California and New York. They are the northeast and they are the west coast of California and everything else in the middle of the country is red. And the reason for it is the elitist attitude. But also they said it's interesting that now the young Democrats in in the Congress and the Senate, the young Democrats are are chastising and criticizing the elders in that party because they have pitted one against the other. They segment their words, not mine. They segment American society. So instead of speaking to the American people, all Americans, whether they're Republican, Democrat, man, woman, black, white, gay, straight, doesn't matter, married or single, faith-based or agnostic or atheist, a set of ideals that they believe are the the principles that Americans live by. They segment society. I President Obama has done nothing to bring the country together. Now the people that there are many people that believe he has done intentionally done just the opposite. I think Barack Obama was and is an idealist. I don't agree with his ideals. I think the plans for what he wants to accomplish may seem very fair to people, but the way he seeks to accomplish that is like it is really uh, almost sophomoric. Never having to have run a business and, and be beholden to the bottom line in any business whatsoever is a big issue. If you own a business, no matter how big or small that business is, you realize that every single day, every single week, and every single month, you've got a nut to crack, and nothing else matters. Your employees have to get paid first. You've got to pay for your supplies, whatever those supplies are. All of that comes. You pay your rent. You pay everything else before you get anything, and you work and work and work and may not get anything for it because everybody else gets paid first. And then the president says to business owners all across the country, you didn't build that. Remember those? Remember that speech? Remember those words? Remember when he jumps to the conclusion and says a police officer, a cop acted stupidly and he was wrong? And then they had to do that ridiculous beer summit at the White House. It was the most cliche, ridiculous thing I've ever seen 
with this college professor and this cop and the president and the vice president, all of them in their dress shirts with the sleeves rolled up twice, eating peanuts and drinking a beer. No one wanted to be at that table. The president wanted to be there with the cop. That cop certainly didn't want to be there. Neither did the president or the vice president. But he stuck his foot in his mouth and he had to do something. Eric Holder said when he was when he was the attorney general, he didn't mind being known as an activist attorney general. And that's what he was. Howard Dean says the president acted to bring the country together. I just want one piece of evidence to that being true. One. It's just not the case. It sounds good. It's a great soundbite. Dean said, I think, you know, Obama's taken the high road for eight years and his hope that was to bring the country together. He said, Republicans no interest in bringing the country together. He didn't believe me. I think he probably does now. So, again, it's the Republicans' fault that the president couldn't bring the country together. It's, it, it, it is mind-boggling to me, absolutely mind-boggling. In the next hour, we've got scheduled to talk about the 5,000 job sprints going to bring back here to the United States. That is a great big topic we'll talk about. And like I said, I'm working on trying to um, – uh, we are going to get a micro on it looks like at 20 minutes after the next hour. We've got confirmation it looks like on that. So we're going to get that tweeted out to everybody. In the next hour, we'll have that conversation with him about jobs in America, the working class – and the people that make this economy drive. I'm looking forward to that conversation with him. My name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck. Mercury.